I don't know about you, but I've decided to follow Jesus, haven't you? And there is no turning back. All right, let's take out our Bibles. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Man, we've been in a great journey this month of May. We've been studying prayer and what does prayer mean in our life. Does anybody remember we started in the Old Testament and what was the very first week? What did we study about the first week? We studied in what book? Jeremiah. You're exactly right. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 1, 2, and 3. Remember Jeremiah uh, told this is what's going to happen in the nation. We're going to go in captivity. They didn't want to hear that message. They put Jeremiah in prison. And from prison, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, and God told Jeremiah, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things. He said, call to me, I'll answer you, and I love really the terminology. God said, and I will knock the fences down for you. I'll knock the fences down for you, and I will speak into you, and I'll show you what my heart's plan and desire is. That text of Scripture, when you look at it really closely in Jeremiah 33, that is just not a statement for Jeremiah, but that statement of Jeremiah 33, 1 through 3, it is for all of us that God is asking us to call on Him. The next week, we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Why can we even get in the presence of God? We can only get in the presence of God because of what Christ has done for us. The blood of Jesus Christ, and we're covered and clothed in His righteousness, that allows us to get in the presence of God. Last Sunday morning, we looked at Philippians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul said, This I pray. Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, this I pray for you. I'm praying that your love will abound more and more. He said, I pray that you will approve what is excellent, that you'll have be discerning. Uh, he said, I am praying that you will be fruitful in Christ's righteousness, and you'll do everything for the glory of God. So here's, look this way. Here's what I asked you to do last week. I said, take your prayer list last week. And pray that everybody's love will abound more and more. I hope you've been praying for that. We've been praying, Lord, give them discernment that they will only approve what is excellent. We've been praying that the fruit of the Spirit of righteousness will be multiplied in our life. And we're praying, pray over your prayer list for each person, what they're doing, it will be done for the glory of God. Aren't you grateful that God says, call me? You can call for the blood of Jesus and call that my love will abound more and more. I don't know about you, but don't you love this gift to pray? And even this next three weeks, we got some college students visiting with us. Man, it's a gift that we get to pray for you for the next three weeks. Man, their own mission for the next three weeks, they've got one mission, and that's to share the gospel with as many people as they possibly can the next three weeks. Aren't we grateful to have them with us? What a blessing. And we're going to pray for you as you take the gospel to the beaches these next three weeks. 
We're going to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit of God will empower you to be a witness for Christ. We're going to pray for divine appointments of God. And we're going to pray that you're going to see people in the next three weeks get saved that are from all over the nation. First Baptist, God is bringing the world to us. And because God's brought the world to us, we need to go and make disciples of the world as they come to us. But we praise God for you guys as you're giving these next three weeks. We're praying for you. Hey, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And let me tell you, the gospel is powerful enough to save anybody. When you're on the beach and when you're out and about and you look at that person and say, man, they are way beyond. Nobody is beyond the reach of Christ. His arm is not too short to save anybody. So you don't give up. Don't quit. Share the gospel. Do it boldly. Do it through the grace and the love of Christ and stand strong. Man, aren't we grateful for this next generation that's standing up? Don't give up on this next generation. There might not be as many Christ followers in this generation, but I believe this younger generation, their heart is to serve Jesus. And we've got to come alongside of them and, I mean, encourage them, lift up their arms in every way that we possibly can. Can. Hmm. Do any of y'all worry? Do any of y'all have the issue of getting anxious at times? You know, uh, confession's good for the soul, isn't it? So, I'm going to do a little confession. Sometimes I get anxious. I've been known to worry a time or two in my life. I've been known to wake up in the middle of the night and my stomach is all in knots in the middle of the night because I'm pretty anxious. Um... How many of you can say the same thing? Do y'all ever worry? Uh, let me ask you this. Is it, uh, is it a sin to worry? Yes or no? Yeah. But I think this thing of being anxious, I think it's an issue. I think this issue of worry really holds back all that God wants to do in us. The statement I'm about to say is a statement that's hard to say because it's really spoken to me. When I get anxious or I worry... It shows that I'm living in the realm of what I can see when I get anxious and I worry. It shows that I'm living in 
my world of thoughts when my stomach is all in knots and messed up, it, it shows I'm living here when God wants me to be living in this stratosphere here. When we're living in this stratosphere here, where it really breeds itself, where it's kind of like black mold. Have you ever seen black mold? And I mean, any all allergic to mold? You know, I want you to picture, where is this black mold that just sticks to us, and that mold can grow rather quickly? Or I want you to picture, where is like a thief? You know what an anxiousness and worry does? It's a thief that comes and robs from us. I don't know about you, but my issue at times with worry and anxiousness, it, it really robs me. And your worry and your anxiousness, it really robs you of experiencing the explosion of God's peace in your mind and your heart. We, we, we lock our houses. How many of you got your houses locked right now? How many of you got your alarms on right now? How many of you have got your car alarm on right now? Well, why do we do that? We lock our houses, our cars, all that, because we don't want a thief to come and rob us, but we're allowing a thief into us through worry. We, we don't want those thieves to get to us, but we allow the thief of anxiety to come and rob us and steal us blind of all that God has for us. Or thief is not, or anxiety is just not like a, a thief. That worry is just not like a thief. It, it's kind of like a rodent. Anybody loves, you don't even like rats. Roaches. You know what I'm learning about Florida? Florida's got some roaches. What do they call those things? They call them another name. They're just a ro They're not. They're a roach. They are disgusting. I think some of them are so big they can pick you up and carry you away. Those suckers are so big. So you, you know what I've learned? You know, you just need some spray. It, it kind of reminds me, several years ago, I was in Nepal doing mission work. And while we are in Nepal, they had, we are in Kathmandu, and we are going all the way out in the villages and preaching and all these home churches. And then while we were there, we were training uh, church leaders. We had about 1,500 uh, church leaders. Man, it was awesome. Uh, Man, I was there with Jonathan Falwell and all of those guys and preaching with those guys and just helping out those church leaders. But there was mosquitoes everywhere. But when it was time to come home, we were flying a Delta flight. When we got on that airplane, the airplane was absolutely full of mosquitoes and gnats. 
Have you ever been on a plane? Like, I mean, we're sitting on the airplane. You're sitting there, and you're going like this. You're sliding. I mean, the plane was just absolutely covered in these things. The next thing I know, they said, we're trying to deal with it. The stewardess came on. And then they, they came through a can, and they're psh, going all the way down the aisle, spraying all this stuff. They walk all the way. Psh, I mean, these bugs start to fall to the ground. I went, they don't know who's on this airplane, do they? We're going to get rid of these things. Then they came on the intercom. I mean, the American stewardess for Delta said, you know, we are so sorry about all these mosquitoes. I mean, because those carry a lot of diseases, a lot of stuff there. It's just really bad. And then they said, hey, don't worry about it. I've just talked to the pilot. The pilot told us when we get so high up in the air that they can't live at that level and they will all die. I'm in Nepal, Kathmandu. They said that silence. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, we're not sweating. I mean, I looked at the person next to me, the trip. I said, they have made a big mistake. Because in Nepal, they believe in reincarnation. <laughs> Hold on. And they don't kill them because you could be killing their great uncle, their great grandpa. I, I'm being serious. I mean, they are serious about this. And I mean, I thought, man, alive, they are killing all of their relatives, they're thinking. No joke, it was so quiet on that plane. Finally, the stewards just realized it and came back on the plane. I came back on there, and she said, I am so sorry. And I apologize that I was just rude. The pilot has now informed me, when we get to a such and such height, it will not kill them. They will just pass out because they're not allowed to breathe at that level. It will put them in a comatose state. Here's what I want you to get. I said, Pastor Eric, where are you going with this? Hmm. Most of the time we live at this level and at this level of prayerlessness, guess what? It breeds and worry can breathe. God wants us in our prayer life to be praying big prayers, mighty prayers. And when we at this level, guess what? Weary can no longer breathe. It suffocates it out. So get this. When you and I are full of all this anxiousness and we are full of worry. Because here is the definition of worry. Worry means simply that we are getting pulled in multiple directions. 
That's the best definition. When you worry, you are getting pulled in multiple directions. You're getting pulled by your fear. You're getting pulled by your doubt. You're getting pulled by your self-centeredness. You're getting pulled by a hope. You're getting pulled. Look at me. Every time you worry, you're worrying because you are getting pulled up heart by all of those things. It is not the will of God that we get pulled apart. The will of God that we rest our souls and that God Almighty is our King of kings and our Lord of lords. So here's our options. We can either be pulled apart and ripped apart by fear and self-doubt and self-centeredness, or we can come and live in the stratosphere of big praying, big promises, and guess what? Worry can't live there. Let me show it to you. Philippians chapter 4 Let's begin in verse 4. I I titled this Radical Peace Plan. Big prayers, big faith. Radical Peace Plan. The reason why I named it Radical Peace Plan, uh, you know, the White House and North Korea are going back and forth if we're going to meet or not. You know, we're not going to meet, we're going to meet. We're going to meet, we're not going to meet. And then you got all the commentaries and everybody putting their two cents in. I, I, I want you to hear this. Write this scripture down. This is important. Let me, I'm going to read this scripture to you and I want you to process this. Write down Isaiah 48, verse 22. Isaiah 48, verse 22. Let me read it to you, and I want you to get this. A radical peace plan of our life only comes through a relationship with Christ and our souls settled in Him. Please get this. The wicked, the wicked can never experience true peace. Let me read it to you. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. For the wicked, there is absolutely no peace for the wicked. What did the lost people try to do with their worry? What do sometimes... How many of you have ever been tempted? Hey, I'll tell you how I'm going to deal with the anxious spirit. Let's just go on vacation and get away from it. How many of you have ever gone, gone on vacation to, to try to escape your worry? Mm. And you get there and you realize, oh, it chased you and it even beat you there. How many of you think, man alive, I'm going to deal with my anxious heart. I'm going to deal with it in the gym. And you start to realize every time you lift up the weight, mm, um, it's still there. God has so designed it. The only way to deal with our anxious spirit and our worry is Him. 
So quit trying to deal with your worry through an activity. Quit trying to deal with your worry through money and start dealing with your worry through the person of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice. Right next to rejoice, write the number 16. Why are we writing down 16? How many times does the word rejoice or joy appear in the book of Philippians? Anybody take a guess? 16 times. Y'all are giving good job, class. Y'all are smart. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. How many times does the word rejoice or joy appear in Philippians? How many times? 16 times, and when your kid is learning how to drive and they're driving on their own at 16, you need to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm telling you, if you need to get right with Jesus, let me put you with a bunch of 15-year-olds and you go teach them how to drive. It'll get you right with Jesus. I'm just having fun. It's okay. Look at verse 11, I mean verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here we go. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. All right, number one, write this down. Ready? The amount of worry or anxiousness we should have. Uh, Every word matters. Every word counts in the Scripture. So, according to verse 6, how much should we be anxious about and how much worry should we have? Uh, let's say again, how much worry or anxiousness we should have? Mm. Be anxious for nothing. Can you imagine living next week without worry? Here's some of you. You would worry that you're not worrying. <laughs> Have you ever met that person? I mean, if they're not concerned about something, they're concerned that they're not concerned, and they think something is wrong. Another definition of worry is this. Worry strangles us. Worry is not freedom, but worry, I'm telling you, the more you worry about something, the more it just takes a grip and it grows in you and it just strangles you. But you got to remember something in this text. You might say, well, The Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, he doesn't know my grandchildren or my children I'm dealing with. Well, I'm telling you, well, I mean, you just don't know what I'm dealing with, Pastor. My, My life is full of stuff. Well, can I remind you, where is Paul writing this from? Uh, Prison. He's writing to the church of Philippi. Guess what? The church of Philippi has some disunity in it. Have y'all ever seen any disunity at church? 
Oh, surely not here, right? He's writing a church that's got some disunity in it. Oh, oh, by the way, they're also facing persecution. As a matter of fact, you get on the Philippians chapter 4. Some some are even having an issue if they're going to have enough to eat, if they're even going to be clothed. Well, Pastor Eric, you just don't understand. Paul says you don't understand. I'm I'm sitting in prison. They're worried if they're going to eat or not. They're being persecuted. They've got disunity in their church. they got all these issues, but in the middle of the issues, he says, hey, don't be anxious. Nothing. Let's go on what it says. Every word matters. Verse number six, number one, the amount. Be anxious for nothing in everything. Mark that word everything by point number two. I put here is the exactness of it. Everything. Can somebody define for me? The word everything, how would you define everything? All. All right. Does everything include your children and your grandchildren? Okay. Does everything include your boss that is difficult? Does everything include your next door neighbor? Does everything include the people that are sitting around you? Hmm. Wait a minute. Gone in the text and said, look what it says. Be anxious for nothing. Everything means everything, the exactness of everything. But what do you do with that everything? By everything you do what? You what? Pray. I want you to get this. Too many times we pray such general prayers. Pray about everything. Pray about every single detail of your life. One of my favorite scripture, Pastor Paul, is this. If God knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, how much more valuable are we? God knows every sparrow that falls to the ground. I want you to know that you are more valuable than that, but he knows all of that. So here's what you're supposed to do. You are to pray about everything. What's that? That's big prayers. How many of y'all have ever prayed this way? Lord God, I just pray for all the missionaries in the world. But have you noticed the richness of your praying changes when you go from, Lord, I just pray for all the missionaries of the world, then, Lord God, I am praying for Doro that is in Nigeria. I'm praying over Doro that has stood in this pulpit. I pray over Doro as it leads all the Baptist work of the whole continent of Africa. Lord God, I pray for Doro and his wife Comfort who had a major stroke. God, I pray for her as she's overcoming that stroke. Lord God, I pray over 
over Doro in the northern part of Nigeria. Keep them safe. God, I pray over Doro. I pray for our Baptist churches and the Christians in northern Nigeria as a Muslim bring hatchets and they go through the villages. God, I pray over them in Nigeria as the Muslims are burning our churches. Do you see the intensity changes? The involvement changes? I don't want you to miss this. When you start praying about everything, the intensity about praying about everything changes. And the involvement changes as you start praying about everything. Can I tell you one of the things Amy prays? I can't tell you how many times Amy will drive up and she'll go, Lord, I'm praying for a close parking place. <laughs> Have y'all ever prayed for a close parking place? Bible says pray about what? Everything. Everything. Here's what you're doing. Lord, I'm praying about my children, and I pray about what they're going to think. Lord God, I am praying about the issue that I'm doing. Lord, I've got this bill, and and there's more month left than there's money. God, all over those bills. You know what he's saying? Spray your anxieties. Spray your stuff with prayer. At least there's not going to be any ants when I get done. (laughs) Can I tell you that's what he's saying? Take the prayer can out. I'm going to start praying about it. Look what the text goes on to say. Look how it just lays. Here's the third word. I just put, look at the components of this. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. And look what it says. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Look at the components of conquering our, that spirit of worry. It says pray. I mean, adoring who Christ is. Supplication is making that request and putting that request in them and doing it all with a heart that is thankful. What is the result of taking what we're anxious about, what we're worried about, what, what is the result of spraying it with prayer? We're praying it with prayer. We've got supplication. We're thanking God. Look at verse number 7. Here is the results of it. And the peace of God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. will guard your heart 
It will keep you. You know what we do as we, we've got that issue, we got it, and we are spraying it in prayer. We're spraying it with the big prayers of God. We're, we're adoring Him. We're, we're giving that prayer request. We're thanking God. We're trusting Him. We're relying upon Him. Guess what He does? He puts a wall, a guard around us, and He guards us with His peace. It's not, look at me, it's not saying that the circumstances will change, but it is saying now you are guarded with the peace of God. Notice the two things, verse 7. What does it guard? It guards your what? It guards your heart and your what? Mind. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And how does this end? Through who? Christ Jesus. Pastor Eric, why, why have we spent one month about praying? Luke 18, 1 tells us we're either praying or we're going to lose heart. First Baptist family, here's the invitation. You ready? Here's the invitation. In just a moment, we're going to stand. Lowell's going to lead us. I want you to come and take your anxiety and your worry and spray it in prayer. I want, to, I want you to take every single anxiety. Almost everybody, man, I, I struggle with worry, Eric. I deal with anxiety. Well, the Scripture says, here is the antidote. This is how you deal with the stuff. So here's my question. Are you going to walk out of here still carrying the worry? Or you can walk out of here saying, God, I want to live in the realm of big praying, in the realm of big praying, it suffocates worry out. Some of you students, you might be worried about some things over these next three weeks. Man, I'm going to be having a conversation with somebody. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Spray it with prayer. You might think, I... Pastor Eric, you don't know all that's going on at home. You got some stuff really going on at home during these three weeks. Spray it with prayer. Some of you, in just a moment, I'm telling you, the moment we stand, you need to walk down here and that grandchild, that daughter, that next one, you are so worried about your stomach is in knots about it. You need to come and get on your face before God and say, Lord, I'm not going to be anxious about this, but I'm going to pray over it. We're either praying or we're losing heart. So let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for this word and the richness of it. Lord, thank you that it is not your 
will. It is not your desire that we live a life of worry. God, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Lord God, instead of being anxious, instead of worried, God, may we follow the scripture and God, may we cover in prayer. And thank you, Lord, when we move to big praying in the stratosphere of who you are, God, that worry. Lord, can't live in the stratosphere of our praying. Lord God, may we move from the sin of praying. I mean, from the sin of worry. And we move to pray. God, may we exchange worry to praying and having our hearts and our minds guarded by your peace. In Christ's name, amen.